Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. I'm sure glad you're here. And uh, should be up and running right there. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Philippians once again. Philippians. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 2 of Philippians. And it is a blessing this morning to be in God's house. And uh, John 14, 6 says these words. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, is there a little ringing? You guys hear that? Is there a little bit of ringing? There, that, that may have taken care of it. Um, thank you. Well, you hear it there? Okay. So today we're going to continue our study of the book of Philippians, and uh, we're going to look further at the mindset of Jesus, the mindset of Jesus. And so, uh, as I said last week, and it's important to remember that the book of Philippians is a powerful letter regarding God's will for you and God's will for me. Uh, I've entitled this message, The Mind of Christ. So let's, uh, if you found Philippians, let's, uh, let's turn there. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, let's all stand together. And we're going to begin down about, uh, down about, uh, we're going to begin, let me turn there right quick. We're going to begin down about verse 5, down about verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took up on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And verse 8, powerful verse. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's, let's pray together. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for the, the plan of salvation, uh, the actual, uh, all the, that went into salvation. You gave your Son for us. Jesus was faithful all the way to death, even the death of the cross, uh, the death of a of a of a, that a criminal, the worst of criminals, would incur. And he was faithful all the way. I thank you for that. Lord, help us this morning. As we look at the mind of Christ, help us to be more today of what you want us to be in our minds. That's where the battle is, is in our minds. And God, would you show us things that you want for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I'll give you the three specific topics this morning, 
And uh, you may have noticed just a few minutes ago, I was, I was having a hard time here. Uh, and I, I, on my notes, I had, uh, it was entitled The Mind of Christ Part 2. And I think that's what threw me off. Uh, I was, you know, going through these notes, and just a few minutes ago, while I was up here with you, and I'm thinking, it says part two here, and I know that we're, uh, but it's the mind of Christ part two. So I thought, oh, no, I brought the wrong notes with me. So uh, I do have the right notes here. I, I thought, boy, there for a minute we were going to be in trouble. I was going to be trying to do this by all from all memory. That would, that would be dangerous. So the topics this morning. And uh, I have phrased them, like I did last week, in the form of questions. So first, what are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? What are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? Because we're looking at the mind of Christ, part two. Now, the second point that I've... uh, The second specific topic, and I phrased it in the form of a question, what is an important comfort regarding the mind of Christ? So first, we're going to look at what are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ, two that God discloses to us, and then what is a comfort regarding the mind of Christ, and then third, what are some examples And most notably, we're going to look at two of those. What are some examples of men, of people that had the mind of Christ? They're already in heaven now, but he gives us uh, a a couple of examples here in this chapter. So let's look at the first one. Let's jump right in. What are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? And first, I want to continue to establish the background and uh, the background is this, that this was probably written, this, was, this letter was probably written in the early 60s. Now, that's not the 1960s, that's the A.D. 60s, uh, the first century of the church, the first century A.D., and uh, written by Paul. He's the pen man. And so uh, Paul, had, he was incarcerated. He's under home or house arrest And so people are able to come to him, and he's awaiting trial before Nero. And that's not good. Uh, Nero is, we believe from church history, Nero's the one that's going to put Paul to death. Uh, As a matter of fact, Paul and Peter both, we believe, were executed under Nero. And so remember, Nero was dangerous. He even killed his own mother. Uh, this This man was vicious and cruel. And so Paul was awaiting trial, and uh, I believe that Paul was put to death by Nero in the late 60s. So this is the early 60s, uh, and that's what's in store for Paul. This is one of four prison epistles, and you could probably name all four of those by now. Uh, Philippians, Ephesians, uh, Colossians, and uh, then Philemon. All four of those are what we call the prison epistles. And once again, Paul is under house arrest. Uh, He had established Philippi. Remember, he got the Macedonian call back in Acts 16. And if you haven't read Acts 16, I think you should do that this afternoon. That would be a good thing. Read Acts chapter 16. You see this man that gets a call. He he sees a vision of someone saying, come up here and help us. Macedonia is up there where Alexander the Great was from. 
uh, up above Greece and in that area. And so uh, uh, Paul went, and that's what uh, Luke tells us in Acts, in the history book of the New Testament, that he went. He got the call. He didn't wait. He didn't wonder, should I go, should I go, should I not go? He went. And uh, he establishes this church maybe some 10 or 11 years before, 12 years before, something like that. And so that's before the writing of this letter. And so it's important for us to note, and we'll talk more about this as well, and uh, we've, I've already mentioned this a couple of times, maybe three times, and that is that this was a very giving church. It was a model church. Uh, you don't read about uh, some of the problems, the issues. I'm sure they had them, but uh, this was, this was uh, what some scholars have labeled, has labeled uh, or what some scholars have labeled as a uh, model church. So now let's look at verse 5 again. Let's read that. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now look at the context. It comes out of verses 2 through 4. Verse 2, I'm in chapter 2, verse 2 says, Fulfill you my joy. He's writing this letter to these, these people. He's in house arrest. And he's going to, this letter is going to be delivered by a man we're going to talk about here in just a few moments. Uh, but he says, Fulfill you my joy in verse 2, that you be like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, of one mind, and verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. You're trying to get, uh, he says, don't let anything be done where you're trying to get all the glory, you know, in a prideful way. But in lowliness of mind, this is key, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each person look at whoever and esteem them or, or picture that person as better than themselves. Uh, I've not done a good job at that over my life. Sometimes I look at people and I'll say, what's wrong with that person? Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's just not a good thing. I, you know, I've not followed the Scripture like I've needed to. And uh, I want to I do a better job at that. He says in verse 4, he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. That means even those you're having a hard time with. Look on their things. The things of others. Be concerned about them. And so in verse 5, that's where he says, let this mind be in you. Because that was in Christ Jesus. That mindset was in him. And look, look, there's one word. Every word in Scripture is crucial. Every word, every little word, every A is let. And see here we have this word let. In verse 5 it says, let this mind be in you. That word let means seek it. It means strive for it. It means uh, to have an understanding. It even means to be wise. And see the implication there. It's so to seek for it, to strive for it, to have the understanding. Now we've talked about that understanding, to go get that understanding level to where you can take the right step. Uh, you know, and, and the Christian walk is always a choice. It's always a choice. Today, you've, you've faced choices. Uh, we're going to face choices each and every day is, uh, in our Christian walk. And so the implication here is, is, if, uh, is if we're not seeking and striving for the mind of Christ, then our understanding is going to be marred. And our choosing is going to be hindered. And let me say that again. If we're not seeking and striving 
for the mind of Christ. And I just described some of that mind to you in those verses where he's putting others before himself. He, uh, he's he's uh, not thinking so highly of himself, but he's uh, esteeming others. He's putting them before himself. If we're not seeking and striving for that mindset, for the mind of Christ, then our understanding is going to be marred and our choosing, we're going to make the wrong choices. Our choosing is going to be, is going to be hindered. And so let's look or let's examine a couple of characteristics because the question, the first question is, what are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? So let's look at a couple of those characteristics. The first one you'll see over in verse 8. It says in verse 8, and being found, this is Jesus, and being found in the fashion of a man, or as a man, he humbled himself. Now that's a characteristic of the mind of Christ. He humbled himself. Humbleness, I looked it up in the original language, which happens to be Greek. Now get this, I am, I, I am, I've got to make a decision this week. I didn't have this in my notes. I'm just telling you, this would be a good prayer item. You know, I've already, I've already been through seminary, and, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking about doing it again, and I'm thinking hard about it. And uh, I'm just trying to, I want to make the right move. I, I seem to be a busy guy, and I want to make sure that I can do it if I'm going to do it. Uh, if, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. It's worth doing well. I believe that. And uh, so... Anyway, I'm thinking about taking this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this direction in seminary where I'm focusing on the languages. And to do that, I would have to have five Greek classes. Five. Whew. Maybe a little over my head. So, but I've got to make the decision this week. So if you would pray for me, because that's a big deal. Uh, I'd have to have two Hebrew classes as well. Five Greek classes. Whew, that would be all Greek. So, uh, humbleness. I looked it up in the original language. It means this. It means to make, to make low, to bring low, to abase. It means to be low. To humble or abase oneself by humble living. Humbleness. It means to be devoid of of all haughtiness. You know what haughtiness is. You've been around people that are haughty. And there are numerous examples. Notice, he humbled himself. That's what it says. He didn't let somebody, he didn't wait for somebody else to humble him. He humbled himself. Jesus did. That's a characteristic of the mind of Christ, a key characteristic. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I thought about I mean, the list is huge when you think about how he humbled himself. It is, it's remarkable. I'll give you four. I wrote down four, and I could have kept going, and I thought, nah, I better, got to draw a line somewhere. Okay, he came as a baby instead of as a full-grown man. He humbled himself. Uh, he was born in a manger. Now, he wasn't born in some big high flute and something in or I don't know if they had castle I don't think they had castles back at that time but he was born in a manger he learned the trade of being a carpenter I, I, I you know uh, he learned a trade he learned 
He knows everything, and he patiently learned this trade. Sit in under his father, learned the trade of carpentry. He took the punishment of the lowest criminal, that a, that, that a criminal, the worst of the worst would take. He took that punishment. And, and I could go on and on and on thinking about how Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself. You know, during the, I didn't write this one down, but during the temptations, he humbled himself and took those temptations. Took them. And he responded to them. Hmm. Humbled himself. So we live in a time when pride and arrogancy are running rampant. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's running rampant. Pride and arrogancy. But that's not God's way. It never has been. And it's just not God's way. It's not God's way for you, and it's not God's way for me. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm so thankful that he said that. Now, you've, you've likely memorized, I think everybody in here has memorized 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? Humble themselves. That's the very first thing. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and pray turn from their wicked ways first thing the first step is for us to humble ourselves i want to write these verses down i'll just read them to you you don't have to turn there here's what proverbs 8 13 says it says the this is proverbs 8 13 proverbs 8 13 this is a great proverb it says the fear of the lord someone says i fear the lord Here's what the fear of the Lord, one, one of the characteristics of the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And he goes on and he says pride, the very first thing he mentions, pride and arrogancy, that means exaltation. You know, we try to exalt ourselves. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth, that means the perverse mouth, do I hate. That's what the Lord says. Now let me give you another one. This is Proverbs 16. 18, Proverbs 16, 18. It says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride, you know this one, goeth before destruction. Pride, you choose that pathway. It's always a choice. If You know, you choose the pride way, there's going to be destruction. It's coming. That's the way. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit, someone that's haughty, that's pride, before a fall, a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, in this next verse, oh, this is a great verse. Boy, you need to know this one. You need to know it. You need to know it that you know that you know that you know it. I had two teachers that were working for me at one time about uh, 25 years ago or so, and they, were, they could not get along. <laughs> I mean, and these were fine teachers. One of them was a choir teacher, and, and uh, the other one was uh, uh, she taught kindergarten. As a matter of fact, and she just, they were remarkable teachers. They drew the, the students and the parents to them. I mean, it was just remarkable. Uh, they were a joy, but they could not get along. They could not. And I had them in my office. I, I just, you know, I, I had just put up with it and put up with it. And I said, look, we're going to have to deal with this thing. We're going to deal with it today. And I had them in my office and, uh, I shared this verse with them. This is Proverbs 13, 10. So if there are husbands and wives in here, sometimes husbands and wives can 
do this. Listen, you've you got to know this verse. Pro, this is Proverbs 13.10. It says, only, only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. So you having contention with someone, there's pride involved. I guarantee you. That's what the Bible says. I guarantee you. And I looked those ladies in the eye and I read that verse to them and I said, there's pride here. It may be on both accounts. I don't know. But I guarantee you there's pride and we need to deal with that issue. If we just, we can smile at each other and hug each other and all that, but unless we deal with that, it's, it's just uh, everything else is just a Band-Aid. We've got to deal with it. And so, listen, if you're having trouble with somebody, you've got to deal with that. Satan uh, is, uh, he, that's what got him booted out of heaven. Pride, I want what he's got. Uh, pride and envy and all that stuff. So, the mind of Christ, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. The mind of Christ is humbleness. Now, look at the next one. The question is, is what are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? First is humbleness. He humbled himself. That's what we have to do if we're going to have the mind of Christ. You can't have the mind of Christ without that. You can think you do, but you don't have it. You don't. It's just not there. You've you got to humble yourself. The next one, it says, and he became, I'm in verse 8, obedient. He became, it says he became obedient unto death. We looked at some things in Revelation this morning. You know, a church there, and they, Jesus told them uh, there's some persecution coming. But you, uh, you got to be faithful all the way to the end, all the way to death. Be faithful. It's going to be a short persecution, he told these people. Short. But it's going to be vicious. And some of you are going to die. He says, just be faithful. Jesus, see, that's the mind of Christ. Jesus was obedient unto death. It says, even the death of the cross. That's for the, that's for the worst of the worst of the worst. He took that. Obedient in that passage, here's what it means. Obedient means giving ear. It means listening attentively. Boy, I need, to, I need more of that. I need more of that. Sometimes people are talking to me and I'm thinking about something else. You ever do that? You don't want to do that with God. And you don't want to do it with your wife either. You want to be listening. You want to be listening. So it means to be obedient, means to give ear. It means attentively listening. Obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was obedient unto death. That's the mind of Christ. He was obedient all the way. So the mind, he mentions the mind several times in here. Uh, all the way from chapter 1, verse 27, all the way this way. He's mentioning the mind. Be of one mind. Have the mind of Christ. Let the, he says, let this mind be in you. Pursue it. Strive for it. The mind is a spiritual battlefield. Let me say this. It's a battlefield spiritually. And, and there are many other weapons. But I'm going to name a couple of them. Prayer 
and obedience to God's Word, reading God's Word and being obedient to it, those are some of our weaponry. Meditation on God's Word. Uh, fasting. See, that's part of the weaponry. And perhaps if, if God allows, then perhaps we can talk about that in another message because that's a big one. It's a big one. The mind, your mind, is a spiritual battlefield. But a part of what we call God's revealed will. He, there are, he has a will for us. And he's revealed some of it. Now, I, I, you know, there are things I, maybe he hasn't revealed. But he's revealed this to us, to you and I this morning. A part of his revealed will for you and for me is to let that mind be in us. That's his revealed will. He's revealed that to us. I want to give you an example. A fellow by the name of Joseph. You know that example? Joseph had some pride issues. And let me, now, let me stop right here. I just saw Linda back there, and I'm glad I saw her because it, 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 uh, I didn't, when I was having trouble here at the first of my notes, you know, and I was thinking I had the wrong notes. I'd written something down here. Wednesday evening, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Okay? This is just a little caveat here. Wednesday, Wednesday evening, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We had that last Wednesday. We have a little short devotion, and then we'll have prayer. Uh, last, last week, we divided up and prayed uh, you know, just individually. And so uh, we may do it a little different this week. Uh, it'd be a surprise. Oh, I look forward to prayer meeting. Uh, but, boy, if you can be here, please be here for prayer meeting. And we're going to immediately after the prayer meeting, uh, I, Linda, I'm sorry, I just now I'm mentioning this. Right after the prayer meeting, immediately following it, uh, it's going to be a meeting for, for those that are interested in with the, uh, working with the children. Uh, with children and, you know, Johnny's leaving, so uh, the youth and, and all that. Uh, so uh, it's going to be that meeting after, after the prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. And we're going to meet at 6 for our prayer meeting. Wednesday at 6. Be here if you can, please. Be here. I know there's some of you that can't because of jobs and all that, but if you can be here, please be here. Now, I want to give you an example. Remember, uh, God's revealed will is for us to have the mind of Christ. Joseph, Joseph had some pride issues. Some of Joseph's pride issues were parental, uh, parentally inflicted. Uh, Jacob made him a coat of many colors. You know that coat? That was a sign of royalty. And then he said, uh, why don't you go check on your brothers? Those brothers were, were older than Joseph. I mean, he was giving him some authority over those guys. Go check on them. And, you know, so he had some pride. There was some pride in there. And, uh, you know, you remember he had the dreams. that, uh, And in one of those dreams, the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, in other words, his mom and dad and his brothers were all going to bow to him. And he let him know, I had this dream. You're going to bow to me. And so uh, uh, he had some pride. But uh, God had a little detour, had a little uh, diversion, had a little, uh, 
deviation for Joseph, a deviation, a uh, hardship for Joseph. Joseph had to go to a pit. You remember that? He got thrown into a pit. But I thank God for what Acts 7, 9 says. You should write Acts 7, 9 down. Acts 7, 9 says, but God was with him. God was with him. See, and then Joseph, now see, he didn't know this pit was going to come upon him, and all of a sudden he's in a pit. And it was a pit he couldn't get out of by himself. It was tough. People turned against him. And then he got to uh, Egypt and eventually makes his way into Potiphar's house and was tempted, the Bible says, tempted day after day by Potiphar's wife. The Bible says that Joseph was a good-looking man, a good-looking young man, 17 years old, 18 years old. It says, uh, in appearance and form, good-looking. Probably had a, uh, something I don't have right here. You know, probably ripped. And she kept coming at him day in and day out. And I want to tell you this now. I want to tell you that the temptations that he was facing and the temptations that you face and that I face, God didn't bring them on us, but he permitted them. He permitted those temptations. You've got to know that. He permitted them. God was with this young man. Taking him through this, I've called it a deviation, a diversion, whatever. Taking him through this. But Joseph had some things to learn. Before God could take him from where he was to where he needed to be. See, he was in the pit. He was in this foreign country with all this but that wasn't his final destination. All this temptation coming at him. Remember Joseph said, I, I can't do this thing. I can't, you know, when that temptation kept coming, he, he said, I can't, I can't sin against God. See, he was learning. But before God could take him from where he was to where he needed to be, Joseph had to learn some things. He had the battlefield of his mind. God was doing some things in that. God was with him. So, some of you, some of us, will say, are maybe in a deviation, a diversion, a, a hardship, maybe in a pit. Maybe there's someone in here that's in a pit, maybe more than one. Now, you didn't plan it, but God needs you to learn something. God is with you. He needs you to learn something before he can take you from where you are to where you need to be. See, he's got a plan for you. The mind of Christ. Two major characteristics. Joseph needed these. Two major characteristics. He humbled himself. He wants us, Jesus humbled himself. And he was obedient all the way to the death of the cross. That's what you and I 
need to develop. That mindset is just let that be in you. Let's go to the next one. What is an important comfort regarding the mind of Christ? Look at verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, even though I'm away from you, obey the Scripture is what he's saying. But he says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Now, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean that we need to work for our salvation? No, that's not what he's saying. Work out your own salvation, not working for your salvation, but work it out. In other words, as a saved person, let your actions match who you are. Craig, as, you're, as a saved person, let your actions match who you are. The context in this whole section is the mind of Christ. That's the context. The idea here is that your salvation and my salvation should be evident in our lives, in all areas, all aspects of our lives. Your salvation, my salvation should be evident. Now, the comfort, because we're asking, what is a comfort regarding the, the mind of Christ? Here's the comfort. It's in verse 13. Look what it says. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's the one that's working in you. Now remember, Paul is talking to the Christians at Philippi. He's talking to the church. And the Holy Spirit of God is working in Christians to reveal, to reveal God's will and lead them from where they are to where God wants them to be. He is working in you to lead you from where you are. You may be in a pit this morning. You may be struggling. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. The Holy Spirit of God, remember uh, last week I, uh, we were talking about those four questions and one of them is, is in verse two, chapter 2, verse 1, says, is there any fellowship of the Spirit? Yes, there is. The Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit, that's the idea here, He is doing His part. He is working. He is knocking on your heart's door if you're a Christian. He is trying to lead you. He's, he wants to give you understanding of the Word of God. He's doing His part. That's what it means. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. But remember, we've talked about fellowship so much. Fellowship is like a partnership. It takes both sides. And so the Holy Spirit is doing His part Here's the question, and I had to ask myself this as I was preparing. Am I or are you doing your part? The Holy Spirit, is, He is working. He is working right now. He's working. It's important for you and I not to stiff arm the Holy Spirit as He works in us both to will 
and to do of his good pleasure. He wants us. Look, you may be going through some difficulties right now or just about to head into one. And he wants to lead you. He, the battlefield is the mind. He wants the mind of Christ in you. That's what he's after. Develop the mind of Christ. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Be faithful. That's what he's after. That's what he was after in Joseph's life. Took him through the pit. All kinds of, put him in jail. Over and over. I want to give you an example. Years ago, uh, I was working in a church, Liberty Baptist Church in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And uh, it was a large church, uh, and I was a young man there. I started working there when I was 20, my early 20s, and I worked there until my mid-30s. But I I became the business manager at first of, of the, it was a church we had a, a christian school in it with 300 kids three or 400 kids something like that i think there were 400 at one point including a preschool that included a, about 100 in preschool and then uh, we had a 21 unit retirement center uh, and then we had a cafeteria that was open to the public every ever every friday they served shrimp i mean they'd be lined up out the door it was great. So it was, uh, it was a church of uh, several hundred people with all that. So I was a business manager over it. And my brother-in-law, who is the pastor over in, at Crossway, he was working there as well. And he was my boss. And so uh, we worked together, uh, and we have for a number of years. But Brother Matthews was the pastor. And Brother Matthews was... Uh, it just he's the guy that led me to the Lord, and uh, strong, strong leader, strong leader, demanding leader. You ever work for somebody like that? And so here he was, uh, probably twice my brother-in-law and my age. You know, we're in our early mid twenties, we'll say by this time. And Brother Matthews was having to deal with these two young guys. Well, he would say, he would give direction and say, this is what I want to do. And I'm sure I thought about this so many times. I've thought about this. There would be this kind of this attitude, maybe from me or from Bill. You know, we were just young men, and, and he's trying to pull the, the whole organization in a direction, and, and we're kind of pulling back a little bit. That wasn't good. That wasn't good. Brother Matthews had a heart of gold. And... Uh, he, he was Bill's father-in-law, by the way. But I will never forget this. I, I even remember where I was sitting when Bill, my brother-in-law, and I were in the same room and we were talking about that situation. And we decided it was about the time of Ollie North. Do you remember him? And so uh, Ollie North says something like, uh, you know, I'm just going to take the hill. And I remember us sitting in there and we were both convicted about how we had not been real submissive to Brother Matthews. And we decided that day, and it lasted all the way to Brother Matthews died, we decided that day that regardless of what this man said, we were going to take the hill. We were going to do what he said. We were going to submit to his authority. It changed everything. 
It changed. It, it revolutionized the church. It revolutionized the school. Everything. It changed it all. All of a sudden, we're on the same page. I'll never forget that day. And uh, Brother Matthew still, he still drove hard. He still demanded a lot. And we said, yes, sir. And we did it with the right face, right heart, right attitude. That was tough. But it was the right thing. The mind of Christ. That's what he wants. So what are a couple of characteristics of the mind of Christ? He humbled himself and he was obedient all the way. And what is a comfort regarding the mind of Christ? The comfort is the Holy Spirit, he is working in us to help us, to help lead us in God's direction, to help lead us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And the sooner we can develop that mindset, the better off we are. Let's look at the third one. What are a couple of examples of men that had the mind of Christ? Look down at verse 19. I want to tell you about Timothy. Timothy was, uh, sometimes you'll see Timotheus. Uh, Timothy, one of my most favorite men in the Bible is Timothy. I think he's oftentimes misunderstood. Timothy was a tough man. I mean tough as far as submissive, and he endured a lot. Paul placed him in places of, of authority over churches that were hard, i.e. Corinth and, and those. Timothy was a true servant of God. He was a young man. He was a young man. And uh, Paul was coming through his town, Lystra, and uh, Timothy went with him and served on the mission field for years, years, 15, 20 years, serving with Paul. And uh, look what it says. Paul says in uh, verse 19, But I trust in the Lord to send Tim Timotheus, shortly, that's Timothy, unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He says this about him in verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. You see that? He cares for you. He says in verse 21, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. He seeks not his own, but he seeks you. He seeks your problems, your, your solutions, your needs. He's interested in that. He didn't seek his own first. He put others first. That's what Timothy did. And that's the mind of Christ. And he wholeheartedly, Paul says, he served as a son with the Father. He, ser he has served with me in the gospel. It was tough. He wholeheartedly committed to serving the gospel, in the gospel. That's the mind of Christ. Have you committed to serving in the gospel? That's what Jesus wants. Now, let me tell you about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a leader, we think, from Philippi, from the church of Philippi, one of their leaders. And he 
brought something, brought a gift. The uh, church at Philippi was very giving. He brought a gift to Paul. But Paul was in under house, house arrest. And he got sick, almost died. And uh, Paul, when, when Epaphroditus got well, Paul uh, sent him back to the church at Philippi with this letter, what we have come to call the book of Philippians, Philippians or the epistle of the Philippians. Look at verse 25. It says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, now he's his spiritual brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier. I mean, he's, he's a companion in labor and a fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. You see the mind of Christ in him. He ministered to my wants. Let's go on down. It says, for he longed after you all. He has misused what he's saying and was full of heaviness because that you heard that he had been sick. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. I don't know what was wrong with this man, but he got sick. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should be sor have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28, I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. sorrowful, sorrowful I'm sorry. Verse 29, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men, such people like this, in reputation. Now look at verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. That's, a, that's the mind of Christ. For, for the work of Christ, he, was nearly unto, he nearly died. Look at that next phrase. Not regarding his life. He was sold out committed to God, com to, committed to Christ all the way to the end. He was willing to die, not regarding his own life. So in verse 30 says it all, he put others and the work of Christ before himself. That's the mind of Christ. He didn't regard his own life, and that is definitely the mind of Christ. So what what are a couple of examples or a couple of uh, characteristics of the mind of Christ? Humbleness, obedience, that's what's been revealed to us. What is a comfort? Well, the comfort is the Holy Spirit is working. He's doing His part. He's working nonstop to lead us in the will of God, to lead us where we need to be, to get us from where we are to where we need to be. And then what are a couple of examples, a, uh, a couple of key examples are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we're going to look at Paul next week. You can see that in chapter 3. Now, I, I read something this week. We're almost done. I read something this week. Uh, very interesting. You may have seen it. You remember Larry King? How many of you remember Larry King? He's kind of a news, news guy, uh, radio guy. I read this. Larry, Larry is 86 years old. I didn't know this all about him until yesterday. As a matter of fact, I was reading this and I thought, you know, I, I need to share this with the folks because we need to pray for Larry. Uh, Larry 
has been married seven or eight times. I, I can't remember. And divorced his last one. He said, he said this. Now, the thing, one of the other things you need to know is he just lost two of his children. Two of his children just died. And uh, they're in their 50s and 60s. One, and one of them, the, the man that was in his, I think in his 50s, I don't know how he died. The woman died of lung, lung cancer. That's two of his kids, and he lost them just, just real close to one another, maybe a week apart or a month apart, something like that. They were real close in, uh, in time there. But Larry said, you know, regarding my marriage, he said, we're just arguing just is unbearable. And he said, that was one of the things, just the arguing. And, uh, you know, the, uh, he said what attributed to that was there was a 26-year age difference. Now, that's what he said. Uh, you know, uh, that's not the issue. But he said that, that was probably a little bit of it. But he said these words. The other thing was our religious views. He said, she's a Mormon, a devout Mormon. And he said, I'm, an, I'm a devout atheist. I, I didn't know that about Larry. He's a devout atheist. And he said, that caused a problem. And so uh, I was thinking about Larry. And, and, you know, we talked about last week how in verses 6 through 8, they really describe how Jesus, he had compassion on us. Compassion is deep compassion. How he went all the way to the cross. And I believe there are Larry Kings all around us. I believe they're all around us. In Davis, in Winnie Wood, in Sulphur, uh, Ardmore. Larry Kings are all around us. People that, uh, they're not ready for eternity. They're just not ready. They're not ready. They're in, for, they're in for a rude awakening. And you and I have the answer and the answers that these people need. People need the Lord. Remember that song? People need the Lord. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe with all my heart that God wants to use this church to reach those people. That's the mind of Christ. If I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe God wanted to use this church, I would have stayed home today. I wouldn't be here. I believe he wants to use Satan hates this church. Now, since I've been here, I've seen Satan try to destroy it. Kind of try to cause division in it. Satan hates this church. And he wants to demolish it. I believe that. I believe he wants to demolish this church. And uh, But God wants First Baptist Church of Davis to reach Davis, to reach the people because they are people need the Lord. And I said this last week, but I want to say it again. I want to keep it before you. Here's what I think we need to do. Write down some names of some people, and maybe you've started doing this. And you pray for them and pray for them and pray for them and pray for them. I'm not talking about going out and beating them over the head with the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a time for that, maybe. But I don't know that that's how Jesus did it. See, pray that God will show you a need in their lives and then show you how to meet that need. Maybe you can do something to help meet that need. That's where we're going to reach them. 
is through meeting needs because that person, whoever they are, or those people, whoever they are, they're going to have a need. And that's how Jesus reached people. He met their needs. He had deep compassion on them. And so that's what we we got to be like-minded. we got to have the mind of Christ. So I pray that, that this morning... Maybe some people came to your mind. Maybe it's, people, maybe it's someone that you've had a hard time with, someone that you've struggled with. I've had one of those. Maybe it's someone that, boy, just to look at them makes you mad. Would you start praying for them? It'll change your life. It'll change your life. God wants to use us. But first, we've got to have the mind of Christ. I believe that point blank. We're going to have invitation, and uh, if those that are going to be involved in invitation will come forward. Uh, but I, I believe that that the first thing the Bible teaches, the revealed will of God, is for us to have the mind of Christ. That's scriptural. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. For this church, uh, we have some young, young people in here this morning, all the way at the back. I pray for them. I pray, Lord, that, that if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would reach out to you. They would call on the name of Jesus. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one the little children or the, the senior adults, no one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven 